Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the coronavirus crushing the Constitution. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us to talk about virus policy and restoring America and hydroxychloroquine corona victory for Dr. Robin Armstrong. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome back to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. We've been talking on the show about the various uh, instances around the country, governors, mayors, county government, really overstepping what people normally thought of as the bounds of their jurisdiction, of their the rights they see, we thought we had to live freely and how much they're being stepped on. And it's obviously all justified by the concern about the virus. I want to just ask you, as we go forward, we were talking about in yesterday's show about the idea that we have to actually already be thinking optimistically and clearly about America has to get past this virus. America has to become America again. We have to get back in many ways. We have to overcome the virus. We have to take care of the people who are suffering. We have to replenish supplies. We have to adjust supply chains. A lot of things can change. But the concept of America as a country rooted in liberty and where the expectation of the individual is, you live in liberty and you have the right to it just because you were born and you are an American, that has to be restored. And on the subject of constitutional questions, just think for a moment, if you were back in September of 2019, nobody except you know infectious disease doctors ever heard of coronavirus. And you woke up one day and said, you mean I'm not allowed to go out of my house or I, I might get stopped by the police to ask where I'm going? And they may be told you don't have the right to leave your house for that reason. I really think it's helpful because we've become kind of overwhelmed with fear uh, about this virus to remind ourselves how much liberty we've already surrendered and kind of unquestioningly, and in fact, some people are begging the government to limit other people's freedom even more. There are a few other examples I wanna to give today that we shared so many of these stories, but there was a great summary of them um, at the uh, Daily Signal today of some news stories uh, of just the astonishing overstepping of their bounds by uh, governors and local officials. Uh, one, the, the uh, state of Vermont and also in Howard County, Indiana, dictates that if you go to Walmart, Costco, or Target, that those stores must stop selling non-essential items, which they define, non-essential electronics or clothing. I'm sorry, just tell me what's supposed to happen if you're working at home and your computer breaks down and you have to get a new computer, or you have to get a new printer, or if your kids' pajamas don't fit anymore, or your kids' sneakers don't fit anymore. There are examples, there are just endless examples of genuine necessities, essentials, but you have government and local officials thinking they can decide for you what is essential. There was the most astonishing story, 10 Philadelphia police officers got involved dragging one passenger off of a bus for not wearing a mask. These people have nothing better to do than drag people off a bus, 10 of them, because one person didn't have on a mask. Uh, you also have three men who live in Massachusetts who were arrested and faced the possibility of 90 days in jail for crossing state lines to go over to Rhode Island to play golf. Now, obviously everyone knows golf 
you're extremely socially distanced. You don't have to be near anybody, but they are facing 90 days in jail. And I could read a bunch of other stories, but I want to get the idea, instead of us, we need to be keeping track of these stories, remembering them and talking about them, but instead of just being appalled by them, we have to recognize it is a time in this country for patriots to remind their elected officials where their power comes from, who whose consent they need in order to continue governing. And if they don't feel pressure from the American people, from their constituents to be told, stop making these orders. And I, I tell you folks, the other point I made, and I want to say it again very quickly now, I would even give a little bit of grace to the federal government, to governors in this country, elected officials at the very beginning when we, for the most part, most of us just blindsided by what seemed to be an astonishing and threatening virus and the you know visions of the Andromeda strain conjuring people's heads and we're all gonna, so I'll give a little bit of grace early on. I thought, you know, maybe we have to really take a closer look at this, but we are now, whatever you wanna call it, six, eight, 10 weeks in, we are all frozen in our homes. The numbers aren't adding up. And as we see the numbers aren't adding up and that you have people frozen in their homes, not permitted to leave and being threatened with fines and punishment. And even where I live in the great state of Texas, there's an ongoing discussion about whether or not there's going to be an extension of the uh, deadline. Right now in Dallas County, it's April 30th is the, is the uh, shelter in, end of shelter in place. But that is not at all assured. Now there's discussion of that. Just we need to be thinking of these things in bigger terms than just, oh, am I inconvenienced? Darn, I really wanted to go to the store today. I guess I still have to wait another month. Recognize we are, we're not just surrendering individual liberties. We're surrendering the idea, the presumption of liberty. We should presume because we live in this country, we have liberty. And there better be a darn good reason that it is being restrained. If it were a tornado warning and they said, stay, you know, shelter in place, there's a tornado coming or there's a flood and you better stay off these roads. Yeah, I hope the police would enforce that and tell people, get off the roads, crazies. But this is not that kind of emergency, not anymore. And we are watching our freedoms fritter away and becoming, sadly, too many people almost asking for more restrictions on freedom instead of recognizing and trusting people to do the right thing people to the free people who live in this country with rights from God because they were born to live in freedom. And that, my friends, is today's first five. I mentioned before we start, we have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joining us. I haven't seen him in a while. I haven't seen anyone in a while, actually, um, but it's great to see you. Hello, sir. It's good to be with you, Debbie, and uh, hopefully you're being safe and uh, you're healthy, you and Eric. We are, and same to you and Angela and your family. You guys okay? Yeah, we're doing fine here in the eastern hills of Garland, Texas. <laughs> eastern hills. I didn't think of it as hills. Okay. Anyway, I'm very glad to, that you're uh, able to come on today. And I know most of our listeners probably already know you. But to very quickly remind our listeners, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, former member of the United States Congress from the state of Florida, 22nd Congressional District, as served that uh, as a Republican from 2011 to 2013, uh, a military hero, military person who served our country in the army uh, in Kuwait and Iraq. Um, and so he's just been a, you know, a stellar American, now a very sought after um, speaker and um, commentator about political issues of the day, and also a candidate to become the Texas state 
chairman for the Republican Party, which will get to all those things, I hope. But so now we have gone through that. Okay, I want to start with you have up on your website, theoldschoolpatriot.com, why we must reopen the economy. Let me start with that. This is the, the raging debate of the day. Dare we reopen our economy? So what is your argument that it's time to reopen the American economy? It was very simple. If you go back to the statement that President Trump made where he said we can't have the cure be worse than the, the problem. And so now we are at the point where we have 20 million, 30,000 Americans that unemployment claims. And then on top of that, right here in the state of Texas, you have 1 million uh, Texans that have filed uh, unemployment claims. We just saw the uh, oil for the first time ever in the history of the United States of America close a trading day in the negative. Uh, Monday, it was minus $37.64 because there is no demand out there. I think the most important thing we need to do is to get the American people back working. We need to put in place policies that protect the most vulnerable. We know that the elderly and also people that have issues uh, with obesity, high blood pressure, uh, and also diabetes, we need to protect those individuals. We can start gradually getting this economy back to work. Because if we continue to see more and more of our industrial sectors, and remember the Texas is that economy, it has long-term ramifications. Love that answer. And you know, I'm, I'm, as with so many crises, it becomes really important to be able to articulate the crises, to, to get, I hate the word slogans, but ways to capture the ideas. And, and people are working on these more and more. Uh, one that I love, uh, back to work for the health of America, Yes. Yes, it's the health of the country. Also, you can protect the vulnerable and trust the healthy. It's really a, a sense that the government can trust us to to be safe, to protect ourselves, uh, balance physical safety and economic survival. Another way to say it, a reopening in a thoughtful and responsible way. There are just ways we can do this. It seems like the picture is being drawn by some people. You either protect America or you go back to work and you put all of America at risk. And there is a place in between. Well, there, that uh, is the, the false narrative of the binary decision. It is not either or. It is not that we stay here in our houses and we live or we go back to work and we all die. You know, Sir Winston Churchill had a great quote. He said that fear is a reaction and courage is a decision. So I think it's time for us to find those courageous leaders. And it is, uh, listen to your uh, first five, and it should be very disconcerting and disturbing to the American people that we have these elected officials, such as Phil Murphy in New Jersey, that he said he did not consider the Bill of Rights when he was writing out his mandates and orders. You look at Michigan with Gretchen Whitmer and some of the things that she is doing. Even here, as you said, in Dallas County with Clay Jenkins, where in Dallas County, we have had less than 70 people that have lost their lives because of COVID-19. But yet, think about the economic ramifications that he is causing. But yet, if I'm correct, many of these elected officials continue to get a paycheck while they're telling Americans that they cannot go out and work for a paycheck. They most certainly are. I'm glad you brought those Dallas numbers. Matt, the wonderful producer, um, I sent you a... Um I hope I said, I think I sent you a meme. It's actually a little, has a number, it has the top back to work for the health of America. Okay, I'm gonna ask our listeners just to look at this. The entire state of Texas is shut down to understand where we are. Entire state of Texas, Dallas County included. In Dallas County, we have 2.635 uh, million people living in Dallas. So 2.65 M million. We've only had 
2,300 people test positive. So 2,300 test positive. And of those cases, uh, of positive cases, um, and we have um, 7,094, uh, never mind, negatives. We've had 60 deaths, 60, 60 in Dallas County. Um, and so we had 2,300 positive cases out of 2.6 million, and the entire county shut down. And, and the state of Texas has similar numbers. State of Texas, we have 28.9 million people in the state of Texas. Uh, and we've had under 19,000 cases and 477 dead. I think that's as of today. These numbers are today. So the numbers don't bear out the don't justify the reaction. So I want to ask you, do you think that part of uh, Colonel West, part of what's happening is more of a political decision? Is, is the virus you believe being used for some political means by leftists, by Democrats? Well, let's just look at the headline of an article that was in Politico last week where it said the economic meltdown gives Democrats new hope in Texas. We also know that on April the 2nd, the chairman of the House Pandemic Oversight Committee, Committee Representative Fiberg, said this pandemic gives Democrats a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. And also last week in a Time Magazine article, Eric Holder talked about using the pandemic to uh, change elections uh, forever in the United States of America. So yes, you do have people that are looking at this as a political opportunity. And shame on them for wanting to bring about this type of, you know, economic destitution upon the American people. And Debbie, when you take those numbers and you just go back a few years ago and you look at the 2017 to 2018 influenza season, just the common flu season, you know, we had 61 million Americans that were infected. We had over 800,000 Americans that were hospitalized. We had 60,000 Americans who lost their lives just a few years ago to the common influenza. We did not have this type of reaction. So people are starting to get very concerned. We know that Dr. Deborah Burks came out and said that basically all deaths in America are being classified as coronavirus deaths. We know that we have many of these false uh, positives that have come back. So the American people are no longer trusting these numbers because by their own admittance from the uh, Imperial College of London model and the Institute for Hospital Metrics and Evaluations out of University of Washington, those models were wrong. And the IHME has continually been downgrading their predictions from what they said was gonna be millions, and then they said it was gonna be 100 to 200,000, and now they're talking about the same thing that we see every influenza season. It's anywhere from 30 to maybe 50,000. It is the most astonishing thing. And the numbers you're talking about, we've gone through those numbers before in the show, just to talk about, you know, I, I, you know, just like in any model you create, including, you know, in models that concern uh, climate change, the only answers models can give you are based on whatever data is put in, assumptions are put in. So you you have, and you can have assumptions put in, factual, uh, you, you can have estimates, and you can have uh, assumptions put in that are driven in part with some political motive. It's certainly in climate change, the assumptions put in are, are intended to drive the outcome that causes alarm. And in this case, even you know the, the assumptions about how bad it could get, they, they just seem political. But in any case, the models aren't they're just best guesses by people who may have an agenda. I want to turn off you some, something else, though. This is so interesting. So Nancy Pelosi is talking about, or the term they're using is a blue state bailout. 
But she's talking about when we have the next bill related to rescuing America from the coronavirus, that one of the bailout bills, that we need to put in there. She's trying to drive to have put in the elimination of the change that was made in tax law. Is the the acronym is SALT? But yes. it's okay. Yeah, she wants to say the cap on SALT deductions, which is a benefit, which you know caused people who live in high tax states end up paying more tax. She basically saying one way to deal with coronavirus is to eliminate the cap on SALT deductions. It's, it's mind blowing how political that is and irrelevant to coronavirus. Well, it's absolutely so. It's just the same as giving $25 million to the Kennedy Center for Performing <laughs> Arts or the National Endowment for the Arts. What does that have to do with the fact that you have Americans that are worried about making their rent or their mortgage payment or how they're going to feed their families? Look, the real solution that we need to have here is for these politicians, these elected officials to get out of the way of the American people and let us start managing our own lives, our own health, and let us get back to work. But what this has done is given them an incredible amount of power over the American people by driving us into this uh, this herd mentality, feared state, par panic, paranoia, and hysteria. And they're leveraging that, as you said. Uh, think about it. On Easter Sunday, churches were deemed non-essential. But yet you have marijuana stores that are essential. Uh, you're talking about trying to save lives during this COVID-19 uh, crisis. But yet you have people that are saying, abortion uh, facilities and clinics, those are essential. While you have people that can't get their medical uh, procedures done, such as hip replacements or cancer surgeries. So we have allowed elected officials to become lords over us and determine what is essential and non-essential. Like you see in some of these states are saying gun stores and also gun ranges are not essential, but that's tied to our second amendment right. And even here in Texas, we had to send uh, that question, that issue to the attorney general for him to make that ruling because here in Dallas County, Clay Jenkins, they come out and said they're not essential. It is mind blowing. On the national level, I want to talk a little bit about because it's so interesting how as President Trump is saying, you know, we've got to try to move forward. We've got to reopen the economy. The difference in how Democrat governors are responding versus Republican governors is, is kind of astonishing. It's very revealing about their mindset. So there was a particular, oh, let me, one more thing before this. So people are protesting um, are all over this country. They're protesting in uh, Virginia and uh, a variety of states around the country. Do you think that, I mean, it's a funny thing because the issue seems complex to some people. It's like, well, why are they protesting that we get to go back to work? They aren't uh, virologists. They're not uh, experts in infectious diseases. They don't know what's best. But I, I kind of love that spirit that says, I don't have to be an, an immunologist. I don't have to be an expert in contagious disease to see the numbers aren't there and, and my life is being harmed. So are, do you think these protests are a good idea? And I'm going to go more into what Trump said about them. But do you think they're, uh, they're justified? Well, yes. As a matter of fact, this past Sunday was April the 19th uh, of 2020. And 245 years ago, there was a protest. That protest occurred at Lexington Green uh, up in Massachusetts because the British were coming to disarm the Sons of Liberty. They were coming to destroy a weapons and armaments factory. So it is important that you stand up and let your voices be heard. And I know that people are saying that, you know, the Americans should just sit down and shut up and listen to the experts. <laughs> the experts have been wrong and we have seen them be wrong. And great citizen journalists such as yourself or going out there and doing this research and getting the background on a lot of this and finding the gaps 
uh, in a lot of these numbers and reporting. Think about the media showing us pictures of Italian hospitals or hospitals from other places to try to drive us into this state of fear when we know that we have medical professionals in many uh, states that are being laid off because there's not a lot of activity. There's plenty of hospital bed spaces that are open and available. That's one of the issues right here in the state of Texas. So the American people have the right to be able to challenge their elected officials. That's why we live in a republic. We don't live in a dictatorship. But it seems that there are some people that would prefer the latter than for us to be able to have our rights, freedoms, and liberties. They want to have more victims. They don't want to have victors. Could not agree more. A particular example I thought was so insightful, the comment he chose to make. This is Democrat Governor Jay Inslee of, of Washington, and he was complaining that President Trump had tweeted out encouragement to the protesters. He had, uh, Trump had tweeted, liberate Minnesota. He had the same tweet for a variety of other states. And Jay Inslee's comment that was being upset about what the president was doing was to say he is encouraging the president is fomenting domestic rebellion and spreading lies, even blah, blah, blah. He's setting himself up as a as an elected leader who can never be challenged. That the, he's he's criticizing President Trump for encouraging people in a state in their protests. He's kind of saying, oh, I'm the emperor, I have spoken, we're doing this, and, these, and he's angry that people are daring. He's, as he said, they're fomenting domestic rebellion. I thought that was a window on how he sees the world and his own constituents. Well, it's very interesting that when you have groups like Antifa that go out and conduct violence and things of this nature from the left side, you don't hear Jay Inslee or any of the other governors of these blue states coming out and speaking against them. But all of a sudden, when there are people that are standing up and saying you're infringing upon our individual liberties and rights, you're infringing upon our First Amendment rights of peaceably assembling, uh, our First Amendment rights of freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof, our Second Amendment rights, our Fourth Amendment rights. When you are arresting a dad who is out playing t-ball with his daughter and handcuffing him in front of his daughter, we've gone off the crazy train. And I think that that's what the American people are sick and tired of. And leaders find out, they, they find solutions. They don't sit around and say what you can't do. They try to figure out what can be accomplished. I love that point. And another thing, I, I just think it is it's amazing to look at not just how you've had just a, a, a tremendous increase in what I think of as really draconian orders by governors and mayors and, and city councils, but this the virus, the spread of fear, especially by headlines of the left that that the Democrat media mob, I often call them, but putting headlines out in stories that put a flash in number saying X number of people died today, never in the context of how many recovered, how many, uh, you know, what the overall numbers are. So it's a spread of fear, but it's starting, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, in my opinion, to break down our culture. You have, for example, New York City Mayor de Blasio encouraging New Yorkers to rat out social distance violators, to take a video of people who are violating the social distance rule and send it in to report them. And I, I just think that might be the saddest and, and most depressing thing of all is the American people are, they some segment of them are going along with this, ratting each other out, complaining, calling the police because so-and-so had a guest at their house and I don't think it was a member of their family. 
I, I mean, I, I just astonishing the breakdown in the civility and the connection in American culture flowing from what the, how the left has handled and the media has handled this virus. But what's your take, first of all, on de Blasio? Well, uh, totally wrong. He's a failed leader. And you would think in a time like this, we would be building up community. We, we're yes. building up trust uh, amongst our neighbors. We will be helping each other out through these times and not trying to leverage it as a means by which we can you know, start to put neighbor against neighbor. Uh, you, you think about down in Savannah, Georgia, that now the police are flying, flying drones down in Savannah, Georgia to take video of people that may be, you know, not doing the social distancing thing. You think about the mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, who said he was going to take down the license plate numbers on Easter Sunday of people that were driving through, drive for drive through communion. And he's going to take their license plates. The woman that was uh, given a, a citation because she just wanted to get out of her house and go for a drive by herself in her own car. And she was given a citation for that. This is why the American people are taken to the streets because as James Clyburn said, this pandemic gives Democrats a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. That vision is the onerous, intrusive nature of government. That's why we fought a revolution 245 years ago. And just a couple of days ago, that shot was fired around the world that gave us the independence of these United States of America. So well said. And I, I really, I'm, I think it's just a vital thing for people to, to not just attach, I mean, you can get, we have in our own neighborhood, we have, and you may have this too, well, this kind of neighborhood email thing going on, and it's just an endless, is next door it's called, but people will say, well, I saw, you know, people outside, and they're walking without masks on, and you don't even have to wear a mask, first of all, on our street. Yeah. Not that I want to be told to wear a mask, or told when I have to anywhere, but people, they, there's so much fear they've, they've embraced because of what I think is an exaggeration of the issue by media, and they they are willing to attack their other neighbors. And I, I just I want to kind of cry out for America. We don't want to become that country. This is what third world and uh, dictatorial, tyrannical governments did. They encouraged their citizens to turn other people in. We should be rebelling at the idea that anyone is being encouraged to turn each other, like restore our sense of who we are as a country. It is, to me, it's, it's not even left versus right. It's America and not America. We don't do that here. Well, that's why your show is called America Can We Talk? But unfortunately, you have people that don't want Americans to talk. They don't want Americans to discuss independence, liberty and freedom and individual rights. And when you see that leveraging of Americans against Americans, it kind of reminds me of how they operated in communist countries. It reminds me of how they operated in East Germany with the Stasi police and everything uh, of this nature and where people lived in absolute fear of uh, all of a sudden being carted away for whatever reason, uh, because a neighbor, you know, says something against them. So this is not what we want. Uh, and I think one of the good things is for people to get out and get some fresh air. Uh, you know, now they're talking about coronavirus can can jump uh, 13 feet. So we need to increase the social distancing to 13 feet. Heck, tarantulas can't even jump that far. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it, it, it is, again, these insidious things that you're seeing. So I do want to hit one more topic with you. I'm so glad you happen to be available. Um, I guess everyone's home and available these days, but <laughs> so glad you're... <laughs> 
it's like everybody's home. But, um, you know, this, uh, I want to see more of that spirit of uh, people uh, protesting, protesting. And one little thing I thought I meant to say earlier, I want to hit before we turn and talk about the state party chair race. But I think people can do things that are demands, even if you don't have any power to enforce them. For example, local officials who are still, the county commissioner's court in Dallas, they have fairly healthy salaries. There ought to be a petition saying, you know what, if we can't work, you don't get paid either. We're, you don't get a paycheck till we come back to work. There needs to be something, and, and to local officials, all sorts of people who issue these edicts seemingly with no consequence to them. Their, their life marches on. They're not really, they, they may be honoring you know, some aspects of the orders, but they're out and about going to work, holding their meetings, and collecting their salary. I'd like to see a little bit of pushback against them. Any thought about that? No, you're absolutely right, because think about this. The means by which they get their salary are from the people that they have told they cannot go out and work. So therefore, are they going to get a break from having to provide those tax resources when they've been told by these exact same people that they cannot go and make a living for themselves? Well, then they should not be accepting the, the taxpayers' money uh, while they're making these decisions to, for us to, to be in this state of nature. So, yeah, uh, I think that that's one of the important things. And that comes back to, you know, think about how Nancy Pelosi was caught, you know, talking about her gourmet ice cream in her freezer. You know, there's some people that are just worrying about, you know, what are they going to be able to eat? Their food lines. Food lines are starting to see immense uh, participation. We don't want to see that in America. And we, you know, we don't need a depression that is brought about by our own foolish decisions. And again, when you look at certain news media outlets, Debbie, you will see people talking about how we can't get back to work and telling what we, we can't do. And if we do this, you're going to have more deaths. They're not talking about what we can do as Americans. And that's a complete violation of the spirit of who we are. That I agree. And plus, I mentioned earlier about the idea of trusting Americans. Americans actually want to be healthy. And those who are healthy and they're not in the susceptible categories, they want to work. They actually don't want to become sick. They're going to comply. They're going to, they can be trusted to comply without having been forced to stay in their homes. There was never really a need to do that to start with. But the notion of trust the people, protect the vulnerable, and restore the health of the economy. I, I love that kind of rhythm or that, that kind of thought. And I would uh, recommend you get a gentleman by the name of Darren Darren Babcock on. He has Bonton Farms, which is an incredible agricultural development down in uh, the Bonton community here in Dallas, because everyone is talking about the adverse effects on the inner cities and the minority communities, where we know that obesity, uh, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure. Look at what Darren Babcock has done down there in tackling that problem, that issue. That's what leadership does. Leadership does not try to take something and leverage it for political advancement. They try to solve it. I am so glad you mentioned him. I just read about that. This, like yesterday, I just read about that. So I will reach out to him. It's a very, very cool story. Okay, mm -hmm. I want to turn to then the great state of Texas. You are running for uh, state party chair for the GOP. And I want to just step back before, before, uh, before we get to that race. So Texas, I see on the one hand touted in some headlines, like Texas is in taking the lead, we're putting our plan forward, we're going to begin to get people back to work. We have a, I think this coming Friday, you're permitted, retail stores can be open, but you have to call ahead, order, 
and run in. I mean, and so you you, you can buy something from a retail store, but you can't go in. So that if you needed only gym socks, which yeah. you don't have to try on, that that would work. Or if you only need a new blender. But what if you need things you got to try on or look at? But anyway, so do you think that state of – so Texas is – you know, favorably compared to, for example, Jay Inslee of Washington. But do you think Texas is moving fast enough? No, I don't. And and I, I'm not trying to be critical of anyone, but America looks to Texas to be a leader. And we were told that last week uh, Governor Abbott was going to come out and give his plan for reopening Texas. Uh, what he told us was uh, he, he announced a committee who would come up with the plan and they would get back to us by the 27th of April. Uh, the governor has a staff. He doesn't need to bring in an additional committee. This is something they should have been looking at. And really, when you think about this whole thing about curbside and takeout, and that's what we're doing already, uh, opening up state parks, but then telling people, even if you go in a state park, you have to have a mask. So, no, we're not going in the right direction. And I would hope that when the governor looks at the fact that oil closed for the first time ever in the history of the United States of America, at a negative dollar mark per barrel, $37.64 in the negative. That's because we don't have the demand out there. Think about the bankruptcies. Think about the unemployment that's going to really hit the oil and gas industry. If we don't create that demand, that means getting people back out there, getting people to work. So I think that we need to take a very tiered approach. We can uh, incrementally get things going back. You know, restaurants, maybe 50% capacity, not you know, 100%, but just trust us to do what is right. Give us the guidelines, give us the left and right limits, and let us get back out there and do what we have always done in America. And that's to try to take care of ourselves and not have big government nanny state try to do it for us. Amen to that. Yeah, I was real. I think a lot of conservatives were pretty disappointed to see the governor, our, our Texas Governor Abbott's first venture out into public about how we're going to open up Texas. Very timid steps, very slow. And uh, and I think that uh, you're you're right, um, Alan, the or Lieutenant Colonel. There's um, there's just a a determination uh, in this state usually for self reliance, can do. We're the leader. We're, we show people what liberty is all about, and we're not doing that so far. I think there will be pushback if it if it keeps on going as slowly as it is. Okay, so on to your you're running for state chair. I know we talked about it in the show before, but I'd love to have you talk about it again. Why you're running to be chairman of the Texas GOP, and how's it going? Well, it's going very well, even though we have this lockdown, shelter-in-place, forced isolation. You know, you look at this platform right here. We can use social media, Skype, Zoom, Facebook Live to continue to connect with people and get our message out, and that's exactly what we're doing. Texas is on the forefront of an ideological battlefield, and we cannot afford to lose Texas to the progressive socialist left, and they are targeting Texas. Uh, Eric Holder is in charge of the National Democratic Redistricting Committee. They want to get the Texas State House. Michael Bloomberg is going to spend eight to ten million dollars in Texas to flip the Texas State House, running anti-Second uh, Amendment, anti-gun candidates, gun control candidates. He was successful in Virginia. We got to make sure he's not successful here. And the only way that we can make sure that we win, Debbie, is to go on offense. We cannot be in the reactionary mode. We cannot be in defense. We have to make them define this whole thing about turning Texas blue. And as I said in a uh, little Facebook post, when you have Democrats that are you know, cheering on the economic meltdown, as they called it, in Texas, believing that that's going to provide them a, a new hope, no one should be voting for a political party that wants to see the economic demise of Texans. So well said. It is an astonishing window on how Democrats think. Oh, things are going badly. Uh, good opportunity for us. It just is a uh, it, it, 
fits exactly what they do across the country. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, I'm so glad you could join me today. Uh, I want to mention your website again, theoldschoolpatriot.com, but also what is the website people can go to to learn more about and support your campaign to become a Republican chair for Texas? It is west, the number four, texas.com, west4texas.com. All right, sir. Thank you so much. Great to see you. Thank you for joining me. All the best. Same to you. All the best. Okay, my friends, this is a, uh, you know, really, uh, to me, very upbeat opportunity to look, take a closer look at Texas, take a closer look at how patriots and conservatives are looking at this whole coronavirus issue and how we're going to handle it and how we're going to move forward. I want to close out the show today with one other quick topic. Recently, we had as a guest on our show, Dr. Robin Armstrong. He is a physician in Houston. He happens to also be the Texas Republican committee man. If you don't know what that means, uh, essentially the uh, Republican Party, uh, the Republican National Committee in Washington is comprised of a committee man and a committee woman from every state. So he, Dr. Robin Armstrong, is the Republican committee man for the state of Texas um, up in Washington, the RNC. He also is a practicing physician. And as he told us on his, uh, the show last time he was here, um, he is the he has a practice. I think it's 11 people, five doctors and six nurse practitioners and others. And they uh, provide care in a variety of places, including at a nursing center in Houston. At the nursing center in Houston, he became aware that there was a coronavirus uh, uh, infection of someone, or maybe more than one. And so he, you know, they jumped on it. They, they had everyone in the entire facility tested, the patients and the employees. So when they discovered the coronavirus had made its way into this nursing facility, and again, people considered vulnerable to the coronavirus or uh, becoming seriously ill with COVID-19 include senior citizens. And several of these people, of course, have underlying conditions of various kinds. So what he did, he had all the testing done. He had the uh, employees um, who were are not seniors, just you know, had them go home, uh, quarantine themselves at home. And then he he turned his attention to the, the, the seniors in the facility who had tested positively for um, coronavirus. He prescribed after, and he and this show, I urge you to listen to the show because he said a lot of medical detail that I really could not repeat. Um, I don't know it all, but he did describe everything he did. But essentially, he prescribed hydroxychloroquine to the patients who had tested positive, senior citizens tested positive for the coronavirus. And other tests, including a, a frequent testing of the oxygen level in their blood, which has a lot to do with what the virus does. Anyway, because he used hydroxychloroquine, he became the subject of left-wing media mob attack on him as though he was endangering his patients and using a questionable, uh, prescribing a questionable uh, medication for these patients that was unproven. He was really racked, you know, raked over the coals, ridiculed, how, you know, they really very unreliable. How could he be doing this? Blah, blah, blah. So, um, and in the, so, and I'm talking about in, in publications like the NPR, not that I ever listened to them, but NPR.org, uh, Rolling Stone, uh, left-wing publications attacked him. And in large part, people in the media attacked doctors who prescribe hydroxychloroquine 
pretty much because President Trump said good things about it. That's pretty much how the left-wing mindset works. Because he said, you know, Orange Man said it was bad, so I said it was good, so therefore they're going to say it's bad. Anyway, he got a lot of uh, criticism in the media. We had him on the show while he was, the, the hydroxychloroquine treatments were underway, and he then had said, you know, by last, this past, which is now this past Thursday, uh, that they would have the results and see how they did. So the great answer, and I also want to re encourage you to read this story on our website, 39 elderly Texans successfully complete hydroxychloroquine treatment for COVID-19, doctor says. So Dr. Robin Armstrong prescribed this medication. And to be really clear, a couple of things he said to remind you, he'd already prescribed hydroxychloroquine in his medical practice uh, to other patients suffering with lupus. It is an existing medication, been around a long time. It didn't just fall out of thin air when the coronavirus came along. But you had the, uh, you had the, uh, he was familiar with the medication in other contexts. He had read about how it had been helpful for COVID-19 patients. And he had also recently at the time of our interview become aware of a Tennessee senior citizen center where they had coronavirus ravaged that center. And the doctor there chose to put all the patients who tested positively for, um, for coronavirus to ship them off to the hospital with very bad results for the patients. And he said, I didn't want that to happen to my patients. So he prescribed something he knew to, that he knew he had read about, read other doctors saying it was working. He was familiar with the medication himself. He monitored the patients every day to make sure that the, the uh, care that all the patients who went, went on the hydroxychloroquine um, medication process, he, he monitored them, they all are recovered. And I just want to tell you, folks, I love stories like that, not just because I happen to think Dr. Robin Armstrong is a really great guy and a great doctor, but because he did not give in to the pressure of left-wing media who just try to find ways to criticize anyone who does anything that might make Trump look good. But I, I, I respect his practice of medicine, his commitment to his patients, his, his understanding of um, the world of medicine. So he knew this was the best choice to make for these people, a great outcome. And there are similar outcomes around the country by doctors who are actually turning to what they know in medicine works rather than saluting to the left-wing media who try very hard to undercut President Trump undercut any possible avenue of care for uh, coronavirus patients, uh, except for the eventual vaccine, which Fauci and others are hoping will become available. So great story. I want to loop back and just say so happy for Dr. Armstrong. At the close of every show of America Can We Talk, I always turn to telling you again why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And so for today's stories, we talked about Corona crushing the Constitution, ordering citizens as to what they can and cannot buy at Home Depot, Walmart, Costco. And what does this have to do with a pandemic hygiene? Criminalizing bus riding without a mask, handcuffing a father playing softball with his daughter, arresting people for crossing Rhode Island state lines to play golf. The poorest Americans, this is a great point that Steve Moore and many others are making, is the poorest Americans among us who are the hardest hit by tyrannical shutdown edicts. People who have no backyard, no way to get outside, are the ones who are most trapped by these shelter-in-place orders. Democrat leftist office holders have gone completely off the American rails. We, the people, must rein them in. The electeds respond to only two things, losing an election 
or losing a campaign contribution, make these people feel the heat. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joining us, our Restoring America, contrast freedom first governors and leftist governors. Nancy Pelosi pushing for blue state bailouts. This has nothing to do with coronavirus, everything to do with pushing the left's agenda. Considering New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio encouraging people to snitch on each other, that has no place in America. What's at stake is not red or blue, red versus blue state politics. It's about America and not America. America trusts in the preeminent rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America trusts in the self-governing ability of the people. The founders did not create a pandemic exception to the Bill of Rights. Americans must insist that their founding ideals still govern. And finally, congratulations to Dr. Robin Armstrong, Houston-based physician Dr. Robin Armstrong gave a throwback demonstration of the best of the medical profession. Trust the quality of your medical training. America's medical schools are the best. Trust your experience with real patients. Know your current patients and communicate clearly with them. Observe what is and isn't working with COVID-19 and why. Be unafraid to act consistent with training and experience, even if the mainstream media goes crazy. And the result, COVID patients at, the, at a Houston Senior Center recovered with the aid of hydroxychloroquine as prescribed by Dr. Robin Armstrong. And my very fine friends, that is America Can We Talk for today. I want to encourage you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, where the links to all the stories we talked about are always available on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. You can also email me at americachemitalk at gmail.com. You can also on our website, americachemitalk.org, hit the subscribe button. This is gets you the once a week newsletter from me, comes out on Fridays, filled with information and links to the stories we talked about and the segments to this show. Love communicating with you and I get lots of replies back from people. I appreciate hearing back from you. And I encourage you to, to subscribe to that. And I also encourage you if you love this show, to consider supporting it. This show has always and only been possible because of donations by listeners. And so if you can support this show, I would deeply appreciate that. You go to the website, americachemitalk.org, on the homepage, the donate button. You hit the donate button. You can choose a one-time or recurring do or a recurring donation. Any support you can give be greatly appreciated. I am in this mission. I do this show every day, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. I do this show every day because of my love for America, my determination to be one of the patriots in this generation, speaking up for preserving this extraordinary experiment in human liberty that is America. I could use your support if you can do it. And I also would appreciate everything you can do to share this show on social media. Whether you're hearing this show on, on an app or wherever you're hearing it, you can, you can do all the things you know to do in social media, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. Follow, subscribe, share, share the show with your friends. I love doing this show. I love the opportunity to speak up for America every time I get to do this show. So thank you for listening to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can